Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. As you guys know, uh, the NBA had its perennial um, big NBA uh, Christmas Day games, right? A lot of big games. Lakers played. Milwaukee Bucks played. Uh, I think the Golden State Warriors played. I think the Denver Nuggets played. A lot of big big names played on that night. LeBron, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So basically, the NBA brought out its biggest stars on that night, right? Brought all of them out, uh, expecting you know that makes which makes perfect sense because you want to draw in the most amount of viewership uh, numbers as you can, right? So that took place now. I wasn't really paying attention to the numbers. And then yesterday, I was listening to uh, the channel. Let me see. I, I The channel that I follow, I don't catch all of his shows. I don't agree with every single thing that he says, but he does bring out some good information in terms of uh, the educational information he puts out about ratings and all of that stuff. And I think he does a good job with that. I was watching Behind the Line, right? Big, big uh, basketball channel. So I was watching that. <clears throat> And he was talking about um, the NBA's reluctance to talk about his Christmas Day ratings, right? But again, I didn't pay much attention to it, right? In terms of me going out there and doing the hardcore uh, research, I didn't do any of that. So what happens? This morning, I open up my Instagram as I always do, uh, which is probably not a good thing. And a, and, a, and, a, and a post gets suggested to me. And funny enough, I wasn't even following Front Office Sports, but this post was suggested to me from Front Office Sports. We do read a lot of their articles, but I don't follow them on Instagram. So I get a post and it says, Christmas Day belong, and I want to show it to you. Christmas Day belonged to the NBA until the NFL wanted in. And I want to show you guys the images. I'm saying this. It goes, last year, NFL games grabbed five times the average viewership of the NBA Christmas uh, slate. But the association isn't going anywhere. And then it shows 21.9 million, the NFL average viewership over three 2022 Christmas Day games versus the NBA's 4.3 million, the NBA's average viewership over three uh, 2022 Christmas Day uh, games. And when I saw that number, the first thing I did was I immediately screenshotted the image and I sent it to Marco, Marco, the co-founder of Dreamers Pro. And I said, you need to ponder on this. We need to ponder on this, right? Because I did not know that the, 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 le I did not know that there were so much more people watching the NFL than they were watching the NBA based on how the NBA is marketed to me, based on being a fan of the NBA since you know, 1999, 2000, all the way up to the present day. Like, I, I did not know this. And maybe it's just my personal, uh, you know, uh, ignorance coming through because I didn't know. that. I always knew that the NFL dominated the ratings, but I didn't know uh, it was to this extent. So then I went to Front Office Sports, and there was an article published, I believe it was uh, yesterday on the 27th. 
And it says the NFL gets what it wants, including on Christmas Day, but the NBA isn't going away. So let me read a little bit of what this article has to say. It says Detroit Pistons Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall of Famer Joe Dumars was known as a defensive stopper and cornerstone of the infamous Jordan rules that the team used to lock down Michael Jordan. These days, Dumars has a less aggressive attitude towards the Jordan-like dominance of the NFL, particularly on Christmas Day. He says, you stay in your lane and you do your thing, Dumar says. The NBA executive, uh, vice president, and head of basketball operations tells front office sports, we're trying to put the best possible games that we uh, that we can, try to put out uh, compelling matchups. This is on Christmas Day. It's a tradition for the NBA, but we're not unaware that the NFL is broadcasting this year on Christmas. Our focus is really on the slate of games that we're putting on our fan base, who expects us to put on a great show. Last year, the NFL staged a Christmas Day triple header, amplifying a growing presence for the league on the holidays in recent years and promptly trounced the NBA. The three football games averaged 21.9 million viewers more than five times the uh, the association's average of 4.3 million over five contests. The gap could e- could widen even further this year as the NFL's three Christmas games are as are a big gift to fans. All three contests feature Super Bowl contenders with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles playing uh, in the day's uh, first two windows against divisional rivals Los, Ain- uh, Las Vegas Raiders and New York Giants, respectively. The nightcap is a battle between the current number one seed and the possible Super Bowl uh, preview between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers, a far uh, cry from last year's Christmas slate featuring three teams already eliminated from playoff contention continues on last year was maybe a toe in the water but this year we can really see a a diving you can really see us diving in particularly with the teams and brands uh, we selected mike north the nfl's vice president of broadcast plans uh planning tells fos we're not quite uh catching up to thanksgiving in terms of viewership just yet it's on its way i'm really fascinated to see what these three games can do given the brands the quarterbacks and playoff and the playoff implications and then the article then goes on to say a few other uh things that you guys can definitely read Here's what I notice immediately after reading that article. First thing is, does that sound like someone that is in any way concerned about the NBA? Does this sound like someone that says, man, we need to really sit down and think about how we're going to strategize about this to ensure that we come out number one, uh, come out number one on these Christmas Day games? Does that sound like anyone that has that that, that type of uh, thought process? To me, it doesn't. It sounds like the NFL know that they're 100% sure that they're going to dominate the, uh, the NBA. And let, let me tell you why this is big news to me. The reason this is big news to me is because we as a sports media platform, we're predominantly focused on the NBA. And I sat back and I looked at that number. I said 4.3 million on average. 4.3 million on average. So <laughs> if the NBA is pulling that in on television... What are the actual available views out there in the space? Because based on the way it is marketed on on, on television, uh, is marketed on social media, you would think it's this massive thing. But when it comes time for the numbers to actually, for people to actually show out in numbers and droves, it doesn't happen. And then we begin to have to, we, we now have to start asking the question, why? Why is this the case? And I think the answer you come up with are a multitude of them. 
One group may say, listen, we don't like the direction that the game is going in in terms of its officiating, the style of play. Uh, you just recently heard NBA head coach Mike Malone say that last year's All-Star game was the worst basketball game he ever he had ever seen in his life, in the history of basketball. That's what the coach said of professional-level players. You then look at uh, the, the, the attitude that the players have towards their fans. You kind of get the sense that these guys believe it's their right instead of a privilege to play in the NBA. And it's beginning to come and it's beginning to come across to the fans. Fans are beginning to pick up, um, you know, on that sentiment, although it's subtle, but fans are beginning to pick up on that. And then I think that the NBA has been making some decisions. I could be wrong. That seems to be turning people off for whatever reason, for whatever reason. Uh, and to me, I guess that number encap encapsulate the encap encapsulates the overall sentiment, which is this. The people that have always watched the NBA are going to watch, although some people are tuning out, but that they really cannot compete with the NFL. But as big as the stars are, for as much as we market NBA players and NBA stars, it really shows, man, that uh, they are a far cry away from ever being able to compete with the NFL. And right now, it's not; it doesn't look like it's going to happen. A lot of the reports that I've been hearing, hearing is that hearing is that the numbers have been going down. Michael Jordan is not going to walk through the door, unfortunately, because when Michael Jordan was playing, uh, the NBA was at its height. This is a fact of the matter. This is not an opinion. This is not a diss. This is not a, uh, 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 this ain't ether. This ain't takeover. This ain't no Vaseline. This is the bloody truth. When MJ played in the NBA, the interest was at an all time high. And if you look at the graph over time, it has been steady decline. It, 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 it has been a steady decline. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. So this is the first time we are producing a show like this, right? And I said, why not? Let's 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 get a little bit experimental. Let's talk about different things, right? People have a wide ranging, uh, people have a lot of interests and I don't think that people are just interested in sports. I think people are interested in sports and other things. And I think that maybe there's a group out there that's probably interested uh, in this particular topic here. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Dr. Umar Johnson is an American psychologist uh, and activist. He's well studied, but he's also very popular uh, in the social media space. He's been around for years now. Uh, you can see him on different platforms, big platforms like The Breakfast Club. He was on Roland Martin's show a number of years ago. They had a big, <laughs> a big interview there, which got millions of views. So uh, number one, he's very opinionated. Um, he's unapologetic about his opinions, which I like. If you believe what you believe, believe it. Um, and, and, and I think that he has a right to believe whatever the hell he wants to believe. That's his right. Right, I believe in that. So if you believe a particular thing, you're right. It's your prerogative. And I'm not against anyone having their own opinion whatsoever. So uh, speaking of opinions, <laughs> what happened recently was he recently went on the Joe Budden podcast, which is a very big podcast. We referenced it about a month or so, maybe two months ago, when we were talking about Stephen A. Smith's comments on Max Kellerman when he went on there, which generated a lot of interest and a lot of buzz. A lot of people were talking about it. But anyway, recently... He did a sit down on Joe Button's podcast. Now, I found out about this just by scouring through the Internet. One video popped up. Another video popped up. I saw something about he something that he said about Eminem. And I'm like, OK, where, where, where did it where, happen? So now I went on YouTube to look for the interview. I couldn't find it. Then I found out uh, that it's only on Joe Button's uh, Patreon. So if you want the full interview, you got to go there. So if you haven't heard it, you're interested in it. That's where you got to go. Right now, I haven't had an opportunity to go over there and listen to it. So what happened? I came across another clip. And funny enough, this particular clip was sent to me, sent to me. I saw it on fadeawayworld.net, via fadeawayworld.net. 
And it had the following headline. It says, Vanessa Bryant accused of not using Kobe Bryant's money to uplift the black community. And initially, I started reading the article to look for the quotes. But then it turns out that they were able to link uh, uh, an audio of it um, from Twitter of Omar Johnson basically explaining his position. I believe he was talking to Ish from the show. Uh, uh, where he he didn't back down and he made his positions crystal clear. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Umar Johnson had to say on the Joe Button podcast. It's only about a one minute and 16 second clip. We want to play it for you now and then we're going to come back and get into this show. So take a listen to what he had to say here. Kobe Bryant. Let me ask you a question. Kobe Bryant. I'm ask you a question. Kobe peace, Bryant died. Yeah, Vanessa inherited his wealth. Sure. And guess what? Is Vanessa Bryant using any of that black man's money to do any good in the black community? Let me ask you Absolutely a not. We don't know that. Listen, I don't know. I'm telling you. How you, know, you know? Let me ask you a question. Well, she's a public Can I ask you a question? And, and she just you did. don't know. You that. didn't see that initiative. You don't know I do that. know. I do know what I'm telling you, you now. Let me ask you a question. Vanessa Bryant just started an initiative with three predominantly white colleges, some sort of a sports initiative with Kobe's money in Kobe's name. Didn't choose a single HBCU. Let me ask you a question. With a black man's money. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. He died from taking a COVID shot. Is his white widow using any of Marvelous Marvin Hagler's fortune to help black folks? You're being unfair. I'm being unfair how? No, let me tell you why. Expecting white women to use Stop. black money to help black people? No. How is that Cause, unfair? Because the same way you're naming these people, uh-huh. we can name mad black wives that got black money from their husbands that did to help black people. Well, this, stop. It's my go. No, There's it's not. We own, and you know what the difference no, is? you're wrong. You know you're what the wrong. difference is? You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. If the- I marry a white woman, when I die, my wealth goes to the very people who have robbed everything but from my on, community. That's not true. So you heard what Omar Johnson had to say. Now, <laughs> this is a nuanced conversation, and I think there, there are many ways to approach it. I also think that there isn't one answer. Uh, because people are going to see things differently, right? And I'm only going to speak to the van- speak from the vantage point that I know of. So actually, while I was deliberating on what I was going to say, I actually threw the the the, the conversation around, right, with uh, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, my wife. And I said, hey, first I asked my sister-in-law, my wife, what do you think about this, right? Uh, I played the clip for them, and it turned out they'd already heard it. So I played it for them now for context. These are two black women, black Nigerian uh, women. So I played it for them, and I wanted to get their response. Their initial response was, and I'm just giving you their opinion, they did not agree with Umar Johnson, what he was saying whatsoever. They didn't agree with him. Uh, they didn't like the fact that um, he was basically suggesting what Vanessa Bryant should do with her deceased husband's money. She's like, it's not your business. It's her money. She can do whatever the hell she wants to do with it. Um, that's the first thing. And they did not agree with him in no uncertain terms. And they went into their reasons of why uh, they disagreed with him, which was interesting to me. Then I asked the husband and his basic position was, listen, um, who says she has to do anything? If she doesn't want to, she doesn't have to. If she wants to, she can't. Right. That was her position. What's my thoughts on this? First of all, I want to speak about the perspectives that are um, on the table right now. The perspective I believe Umar Johnson is speaking from is this one. Umar Johnson uh, is a collectivist, meaning he believes that all black people are one, no matter if you're from the States, if you're from, from Africa, if you're living in, I don't know, Germany or living in Tokyo, wherever. He believes they're one people, right? And he's all for the betterment of blacks. He doesn't apologize for that. And he his position is, listen, um, anything that's in the favor of us, 
um, I'm going to support. And he's going to be against anything that he deems is not in the favor. Now, if you listen to his perspective, he said, number one, why didn't she, in this case, Vanessa Bryant, the wife of, of Kobe Bryant, why isn't she using her funds, I mean, his funds, to um, benefit the black community? Specifically, right? That's what she should be doing, according to him. Now, if you guys are aware, maybe you may be unaware, about a year or so ago, there was a dispute between Nike and the estate of Kobe Bryant. And the dispute was, I guess, I don't know what, what the dispute was, but we had heard that they were discontinuing Kobe Bryant's shoes. Now, if you know anything about basketball, you know that Kobe Bryant has the most popular shoes right now behind Michael, behind Jordan's. If you look at NBA players, the one of the number one shoes, if it's not Jordan, I probably think the probably the number one worn shoe of another former NBA player right now in the NBA got to be Kobe's. Jordan is more like they wear people wear for fashion, for style. Uh, you don't really see so many NBA players wearing it, wearing his shoes. But for Kobe's shoes, you see a lot of NBA players, like a lot of them. And, and NBA and people that play basketball in general, they love to wear Kobe Bryant shoes because they're great uh, basketball shoes. So there was this thing of they were discontinuing it. And then we got an announcement that they wouldn't continue it. And then funny enough, just yesterday, just yesterday, I started following Nike on Instagram. I follow them and I see that they have this huge Kobe Bryant campaign. And... Essentially, the agreement that they came to was they're going to continue to make Kobe's shoes, uh, obviously with the consent of his wife. And by her doing that, she's keeping his legacy alive by them running different campaigns. I don't know if you know, they have Kobe Bryant uh, posters all over the world right now in Venice Beach, New York, all over the world. They're posting Kobe Bryant's pictures. Right? So th there's this happening. So I say all of this to say that she's doing her part to keep his legacy alive alive and as his wife that's an amazing and beautiful thing because the fact of the matter is there's some guys that pass away and their widows do nothing they just spend his money and that's it they just f it off but she's actually keeping his legacy alive there's another part of this that i think we have to factor in which is this we're not just talking about someone that lost her husband we're not just talking about that we're talking about someone that lost her husband and her child. As someone that's about to be a parent in less than a week, and it's, and it's a girl, by the grace of God, I don't even want to imagine that. I cannot even begin to put that into context. What type of horror that is. But that's what she's experiencing. And nevertheless, she's still carrying on with his legacy. So, Vanessa Bryant, in my book, I don't have any issue with her in this particular case. Now, to the point of, well, why isn't she helping the black community? The question we got to ask ourselves is simply this. If she wants to help, is it our right for us to force her to do it? She can do whatever the hell she wants to do. That is at the heart of it. If she wants to help the black community, she can help them. If she doesn't want to help them, that's her. She doesn't have to do it. Why are we waiting for Vanessa Bryant to do it? I don't know. We have so many rich, affluent blacks in the United States, for example. Why is it Vanessa Bryant that we're all falling on top of to do that? Number one. Number two, 
when Kobe was alive, and I could be wrong, I don't remember Kobe Bryant ever singling out one group because Kobe, it, uh, I think the best way to describe him was a global citizen. Kobe Bryant was born in Philly, grew up in Italy, lived in California. The guy could speak Italian. He could speak Spanish. I think he could speak another language. I could be wrong. English and stuff like that. Kobe was a global citizen. So I, I don't see Kobe Bryant as a person that says, I'm all for my black people or I'm all for the Italian people that I grew up. I don't see him that way. I think Kobe is just for people. And I think his message of Mamba mentality wasn't meant for blacks or the betterment of blacks. I think it was meant for the betterment of people. Period. When he wrote the book, I mean, not the book, when he did the thing of story, uh, uh, um, uh, their basketball, that was meant for kids of all colors. And I don't, if, I, I don't see Kobe as someone that would say, well, I'm only going after black kids when his kids are not 100% black. It wouldn't even make any bloody sense. Now, some could say, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he marry a black? That's his choice. Honestly, it's his choice. Some people are going to disagree with me and say, no, no, no. you have to... Again, it's your right. It's your opinion. As long as you're not forcing people down the aisle to get married to people that they don't want to, no problem. But it's your right to have that opinion. There's nothing wrong with it. It's your right. It doesn't mean that people have to subscribe to it, but that's how you feel. And to me, listen, I think that um, Vanessa Bryant should do whatever the hell she wants to do um, because she's her own person. Um, she's, I think she's keeping his legacy alive uh, and doing it the best way that she knows and she can. And I don't think we can fault her. I don't think we can fault her. Right. I don't think we can falter. And some people have been asking a question because I've been reading a lot of comments about it. Some people were saying, if this was a black woman, would they even would, would, would he even be commenting? If it was a black woman or is he only commenting because it's a Spanish woman? Now, to me, I don't know. But in this particular case, my view is this. Vanessa Bryant can do what she wants to do. No one said it's her job to uplift the black community. No one said it's her job to uplift, up, uplift the Hispanic community. She can do whatever she wants to do. What I'm happy about is that she's keeping his legacy alive. Now, if she did business with these particular schools and those particular schools, and maybe some people wanted her to do with HBCUs, I totally understand. But guess what? There are also a lot of other blacks with a lot of money that are affluent, with a lot of influence that we can also go after. And by we, meaning people that are proponents of that. But to me, listen... Um, you know, she's keeping the man's legacy alive. I don't want to get into their family issues, personal, not issues, uh, uh, um, uh, um, um, the details within the family is none of my business. But to me, that's my position. She can do whatever she wants to do. Uh, if she wants to help the black, she can do it. If she doesn't, she doesn't have to. Whatever, right? Even, her, I mean, no, no, there's no way you slice it. Her kids are still uh, part black. Any way you slice it, anyway. So I don't believe she has any particular hatred or anything again. Her kids are black. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. I was just kind of browsing through the internet, and this topic just popped up, uh, unfortunately, uh, on my radar. Now, what am I referring to? So, I came across a topic, and it's called uh, from FadeawayWorld.net, and it says Gilbert Arenas thinks shy Gilchrist Alexander might be better than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, right? So I then click on the article because I was like, I got to I gotta see this. Go to the article and I scroll down and I see it's an actual video of Gilbert Arenas and Shannon Sharp on the show 
uh, Nightcap, right? As you guys know that they're now uh, collaborators. I guess they needed like an NBA voice. So they decided, okay, let's go out there uh, and get Shannon Sharp to pair him alongside with uh, Gilbert Arenas. Now, I haven't watched too much of the show because I pretty much know what they think about most things. So I haven't watched this collaboration uh, much of all uh, at all, pretty much. But anyway, I came across this topic. So I heard it and I said to myself, I said, is this what we're doing? Like, is this what sports mean? The better question they should have asked is, is Shai Gilchrist Alexander better than LeBron James? That's the question they should have asked. I mean, that's seriously, that's the question y'all should have, since we want to get stupid. That's the question we should have asked. Is he better than LeBron? Now, of course, they're not going to say that, right? And the reason they're not going to say that is because we'll look at LeBron's stats, right? But nobody's going to factor in winning. But then when they talk about Jai Kilders, Shai Gilchrist Alexander versus Kawhi, they say, well, look at his stats, look at the winning and all of that. So I, I already knew. So what we want to do is we want to play exactly what Gilbert Arenas and Shannon Sharp had to say as they gave their ridiculous take, and then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what they had to say here. Um, but I, I like this team. They can get up and down. They can play a lot of different styles. They got young guys. And when you know young guys, you don't know any better. You don't know anything about being yeah, tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis Alexander. And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Kawhi went a little bit too fast. Because wh- how do you think the Clippers, and we, we're going to continue on with this, but how do you think the Clippers would look with Shea Gilgis and Kawhi? Would they be better than Paul? See, see that that's see? now you you see why like you know you you question that upper management like what what did you see when did you see you know I guess they were trying to win right now and you know it was more of a package deal for Kawhi, Kawhi wanted PG to get yeah George because there. yeah he was, I heard his, Doc I heard Doc was talking and he tried to explain it he's like you need to give this guy a year he's like Kawhi he's mm-hmm. really good. And he said, well, if you don't get me PG, I'm going to go to the team across the hallway. And they could ill afford yeah. to have that because that would have been a death sentence mm-hmm. for the Clippers. You cannot have LeBron, AD, and Kawhi mm-hmm. across the hall, and then all you have is what you've got. So I understand yeah. they had to make the move, and they gave up a king's ransom to get PG. But when you look at mm-hmm. it, and you look at it player for player right now, Shea Gilgis is a better player than PG, and he has been for the last couple of years. Shane, I mean, to be honest, he might be a better player than both of them. He right might now. be right. He, he might be, be right. You know, he. I like won't he fight. Is, you. I won't debate you about it. That's what you damn. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those too. Like you know what I mean. Like it can go either way at this point. But you know, he's steady. He's humble. He trains. He's work. I mean, every summer he comes back. He he's added something yes. to his game. Um, so you heard what uh, Gilbert Arenas and Shannon Sharp had to say. So I posed a question to the audience. Now, funny enough, for whatever reason, people think that this is like a Charles Channel, like I control the vote. Meanwhile, we put up various polls and people have disagreed with me on various things uh, many, many times. So I put up the question and I asked the audience, I said, this is about 15 minutes ago. So far, we have 700, let's say 800 votes. I said, who's a better basketball player? Of the 787 people that have voted, 72% vote for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and then 28% vote for Shai Gilchrist, Gilchrist, Gilchrist Alex, Alexander, right? And then people sort of given uh, various reasons why, you know, they believe one way uh, or the other. Now, to me, I'm going to simplify it. Before we, before I even get into my simplification, let me get into the stats. Shai Gilchrist Alexander this season is averaging 31.1 points per game. On, uh, with 5.8 rebounds on 6.5 assists 
uh, what is it? Yeah, six point five assists per game on fifty four percent shooting uh, from the field, thirty uh, percent shooting from three, ninety one percent from the three point line, while still getting you two point eight steals, which is a very, very uh, what is it? Impressive stat. Let's talk about the playoffs. Um, back in 2019, 2020, when he did make the playoffs, he averaged 16 points per game. Uh, but this was his second year. I get, I'm assuming his second year, uh, on 43% shooting or whatever. So he hasn't been to the playoffs the last few years. Now let's get to Kawhi Leonard's stats. Kawhi Leonard is averaging 24 and a half points per game with 5.9 rebounds, 3.5 assists, shooting 50, 52% from the field, 43% from the three, uh, 88% from the free throw line while getting you uh, 1.5 steals per game. Now, here's what's interesting. Kawhi Leonard uh, is also playing with guys that need the ball, like James Harden and Paul George. Shy Gilchrist Alexander is not playing with those type, those caliber players. So if Kawhi Leonard was probably the number one option only, then I would suspect suspect his numbers have been much will be much higher. But if you look at Kawhi Leonard uh, in the last, let me say, in the last, uh, if we go splits, if we look at the last, let's say, uh, 10 games or so, uh, or, or, or thereabout, uh, he's been playing very well. For instance, if you look at his December stats, he's shooting 29, he's scoring 29 points per game on 61% shooting. These are nine, it's a nine game sample size. <laughs> so he's scoring 29 points per game, 61% from the field, 50% from the three, 96% from the free throw line, getting you six rebounds, four assists, and 1.2 steals. Those are actually what Kawhi Leonard is really, really doing. Those are his real stats because, you know, the shakeup of getting James Harden and all of that stuff. That's actually what he's doing. Let me just say it for you guys. Go look at those stats again. You pull up another NBA player in the NBA, put up that, those type of numbers with that type of efficiency while shooting 96% from the free throw line, shooting 60, 50, 95. We will all wait. But anyway, that's not what I'm basing my argument off of because that's silly. Right, that's a silly thing to do. You want to make the argument that Shy Gilchrist Alexander is better than Kawhi Leonard. I'm assuming they're basing it off of two things. Number one, they're basing it off of the regular season standings right now, uh, his availability, uh, and uh, I'm assuming that's about it. And his personal stats, right? Right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder are the number two seed in the Western Conference, um, uh, and Shy Gilchrist Alexander is playing fantastically well. So, for the people that believe that Shy Gilchrist Alexander is a better basketball player than Kawhi Leonard, or even in the same universe, I don't think they're even in the same universe, but if you think so, I'm going to ask you the following questions. Last year in the playoffs, if you remove Kawhi Leonard off the Clippers, there is no Paul George. All you have is Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard as the two stars. If you replace him, with Shy Gilchrist Alexander, do you think that they have a chance to beat, or did they, do you think that they beat uh, the Phoenix Suns in round one? That's the question. If you remove uh, Shy Gilchrist Alexander, you put him on the Clippers right now. You remove Kawhi Leonard. Do you think the Clippers have a better chance winning a championship with Shy Gilchrist Alexander or Kawhi Leonard? If you had put Kawhi uh, Shy Gilchrist Alexander at the peak of his powers, or is he's getting very good? On that Toronto Raptors team, you think they're going to beat the Philadelphia 76ers when they had Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, uh, and then go beat Giannis Antetokounmpo and those guys. You think they're going to win the championship and go to the finals and win it? I think that these guys are on something that they got in California, clearly.
because you're just looking at stats. Kawhi Leonard, for the people in town, is not a regular season player, meaning he doesn't show you his cards in a, in a, in a regular season. There are a lot of people that do. He's not one of them. Now, he can put up good numbers, as you saw the splits I just gave you, 60, 50, 96. He can do that with the best of them, obviously. But when it comes to the playoffs, that's when you really see who he is. That's when you see Kawhi Leonard who know who he is. And you don't even factor in the defense and all of this. I think the notion is laughable. It is laughable to say something like this. So number two, we speak of availability. If you give me Stephen Curry for 40 games and you give me Shaq Gilgrist Alexander for 80 games, Stephen Curry is still better even if he plays 40 games. He's a better player, period. Now, if you want to talk about leadership, you show me the team that Shaq Gilchrist Alexander has led anywhere. Kawhi got to the Toronto Raptors, a team that had had a mental collapse against the Cavaliers. They won the championship. Go listen to go listen to Pascal. Go listen to Pascal Siakam talk about Kawhi. Go listen to Kyle Lowry talk about Kawhi. Go talk about the common effect he had on the team. The year before, they totally had a mental breakdown with Demar Derozan. That was the main change on the team. They brought in Marcus Gasol. He can't lead. Where's Shai Gilchrist Alexander led anybody to? Hello, is this on the court, Rob Parker? I think it's a laughable position to take. Laughable. The better question they should have asked is, is he better than LeBron James? That's the question you should have asked. Is Shai Gilchrist Alexander a better basketball player than LeBron? That's the question. That's a more befitting question. Because at least Kawhi's stats are leading to wins. What's LeBron's stats leading to? A 4-6 record out of the last 10 games. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Clippers is now the number four seed in the West. I'm just saying. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Uh, here, right? We had recently produced a show today talking about the NBA ratings uh, versus the NFL ratings on Christmas Day. Obviously, it depends on when you're seeing these shows. You'll most likely have seen that show by now. So, I recently just came back home and I was doing some errands. And then, as I was thinking of the title for um, that show, this topic, this this thought uh, just occurred to me. Now, what are you referring to? Well, there was a recent report that was published yesterday from front office sports that had the following headline. The NFL gets what it wants, including on Christmas, but the NBA isn't going away. Continues on Detroit Pistons. Hall of Famer Joe Dumars was known as a defensive stopper and cornerstone of the infamous Jordan rules that the team used to lock down Michael Jordan. These days, Dumars has a less aggressive attitude towards uh, the Jordan-like dominance of the NFL, particularly on Christmas Day. You stay in your lane and you do your thing, Dumars said. The NBA executive vice president of head of basketball operations tells front office sports, we're trying to put uh, on the best possible games that we can. Trying to put on a comp- uh, put on compelling matchups. Uh, Christmas Day is referring to is a tradition for the NBA, but we're not unaware that the NFL is a broadcasting this year on Christmas. Our focus is really on the slate of games that we're putting on, and our fan base who expects us to put on a great show. Last year, the NFL staged a Christmas Day triple header, amplifying a growing presence for the league on the holiday in recent years, and promptly trounced the NBA. The three football games averaged 21.9 million viewers, more than five times the association's average of 4.3 million over five contests the gap could widen even further this year as the nfl's three christmas games 
are a big gift to fans. All three contests feature Super Bowl contenders with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles playing in the day's first two windows against uh, divisional rivals, uh, the Raiders and the New York Giants, respectively. The night cap is a battle between the current number one seed and the possible Super Bowl uh, preview between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. A far cry from last year's Christmas slate featuring three teams already uh, three teams already eliminated from playoff contention. Last year was maybe a toe in the water, but this year you can really see us uh, diving in, particularly with the teams and brands we selected. Mike North, the NFL's vice president of broadcasting, uh, broadcast planning, tells FOS. We're not quite catching up on Thanksgiving in terms of viewership just yet. It's on its way. I'm really fascinated to see what the three games can do, given the brands, the quarterbacks, and the playoff implications. The NBA will provide its own Christmas showcase uh, of top teams and popular players on ESPN, including Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks, Stephen Curry, Golden State Warriors, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, and Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. And the article goes on to say a few other things. And then I started thinking about it. 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 And then the thumbnail, the title came to me on the thumbnail, which was the following. He's definitely not Jordan. I said to myself, I said, wait a minute, this is a totally different show that we could produce here. Now, what am I referring to? You know, a lot of the people in media, uh, a lot of the people that like to twerk it up all over the place uh, are out here to basically, they're propagandists, right? That's what they are. Uh, they try to sell you a bill of goods. I heard that from Clay Travis, who used to use the word uh, propagandist. Uh, basically, they try to oversell something, right? And what we've been hearing is, oh my God, LeBron James is best since his sliced bread. He's carrying the league. He's taking the league to a whole nother stratosphere. When in reality, he is not. That's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is simply this. Michael Jordan made people care about basketball like no other basketball player ever. I'll repeat it once more. When Jordan was playing, the casual fan, the, just the person going about their business, would tune in to watch the NBA just because of Michael Jordan. And no other player since then has been able to replicate that type of effect, that, 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 uh, so that effect on people. No one. Quite literally. And then it reminded me of a report uh, of a report that we went through about seven months ago, which featured um, a particular graph that I want to share with you guys right now. And it was from NBA Central. We're going to put it up right now. And it goes, what's your takeaway from this graph? Right. I want to get into the nitty gritty of this graph. And it says the following uh, 30 year NBA regular season TV viewership trend. I want you guys to look at this very, very closely. And it shows. Watch, uh, look at it closely. It says MJ is back in 1995. Look at the numbers. Then it goes back to, then it goes back. That's the average per game. Then it goes back to 1995 and it goes down and it goes up and then you go and then it goes right back up. And then it goes to LeBron's rookie season uh, in 2000. Since that year, it has actually been trending down. It went back up with LeBron to Miami, but ever since then, it's been trending down. And I want to give you some further data. I want to share some finals viewership numbers with you guys. Let me give you guys some numbers. Last year, or the last finals, the average games, right? We're going to give you some numbers. Uh, game one pulled in 12 million, uh, 12.4 uh, million viewers. This is from, uh, we're getting this from Wikipedia. Another one got 11.9 million. Another one got 11.9 million. Another one got 11.5 million. And then game five got 13 million and game six got 13.9. So let's say 14 million. 2021, Milwaukee Bucks, average average viewership numbers is about 9 million. And then the last game got 12.5 million. 2020, 
the bubble. Lakers, 7.5 million, 7.4 million, 6 million, 5 million, 7.48 million, uh, 8.2 million per game. Okay. And then let's go to the Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers. That was when y'all thought that y'all saw Jordan when you didn't. Uh, those games, let's go to the 2017 games. Let's go to the 2018 games. 17 million, 17.6, The year uh, prior to that, 20 million, 18.7, So let's say 20, 20, 19, uh, 24.5. And then the year before that, 20 million. So an average of to 2019, 17, and it goes on like that last game, 30, uh, 30 million. Let's go into the years when it was actually uh, the highest, okay? And the highest on record was 1998 with the Chicago Bulls. First game, 29 million. Second game, 26 million. Third game, 26 million. Fourth game, 30 million, 30.6 million. Last game, 36 million viewers. We have not seen numbers like that ever since Michael Jordan retired. Ever since. Let's discuss the impact. Jordan did not have the advent of social media to work in his favor. He didn't have that. He didn't have Instagram. He didn't have TikTok. He didn't have people all over twerking it up all over the place. He didn't have none of that. He didn't have YouTubers and all. He didn't have none of that. But nevertheless, Jordan has been able to maintain his relevancy. How do we know this? During the 75th NBA anniversary, when they did the ceremony at the All-Star Game, which was held in Cleveland, uh, you tell me who had the biggest applaud in Cleveland. Was it not Michael Jordan? Was it not him? Jordan's impact in his 15 years is greater than the impact LeBron has had in 20 years. And we're not even, and, and if we take it to a cultural level in terms of his impact on culture with his Jordan brand and all, it's a joke. Do you realize Jordan outsells some of the top NBA stars, Jordan brand, every single year? Ask yourself, how is that possible? Now, somebody will say, well, it's the marketing of Nike. So Nike's not marketing everybody else? Are they not market? Why would they not market everybody else? Of course they are. In fact, one would argue I would put more dollars behind guys that are actually relevant and playing today than I would behind a Jordan. But nevertheless, Jordan is still outselling these guys by a wide margin. How is this possible? How is it possible? You say, well, is Jordan propaganda? No. The fact of the matter is Jordan was able to capture the imagination of NBA fans like no other player has ever done. And a lot of it was synonymous with total dominance. Total dominance of the sport. And he did it in a way where he didn't offend people along the way. The fact of the matter is this, and I, and I think it's something I'm beginning to realize, is that LeBron is quite polarizing. All by his own doing. All by his own doing. And Jordan is not polarizing. Now, some people say, but what do you mean? What do you mean Jordan's not polarizing, Right. He did come up with the statement, Republicans wear sneakers too. Here's what I mean. The minute you step into the political arena, <laughs> you're going to make friends and you're definitely going to make enemies. And LeBron has found a way to do that. And I think that's worked against him. And I think a lot of people don't like that. Now, am I saying they're right or wrong? It's their, I almost curse, it's their opinion. They don't have to like you. They don't have to like your political view, just like you don't have to give your view or you choose to give your views. No one is stopping LeBron. Nobody runs up on there, slaps a piece of cello tape across his lips and say, don't speak. You speak. You speak your piece. 
right now certain people have had certain issues about things that he stands up for because you get angry about this one thing but then we look at the situation happening over there in china and all that we don't hear anything about you that's another thing that's works working against him but i think it has everything to do with jordan's dominance let me give you guys uh, a poll that we put up and by the way if you're offended by this that's your bloody business it's your bloody business somebody told you to spend your holidays watching me offend your uh while you sit up here and offend yourself i'm giving my point you don't like it that's your bloody business i'm gonna say what i think anyway we put up a poll and we asked the following question. Which of these players did this? Three championships, three scoring titles, two regular season MVPs, three finals MVPs, three all defensive first teams in 32 months. Of the 15,000 people, 74% voted for Jordan. And they were absolutely correct. And guess what else I missed? He played 82 games all through those 30. He didn't miss any games throughout that period. It's unheard of. I mean, it's unheard of. Jordan was doing things that we knew we would never witness again. And we haven't. The closest we've seen to Jordan is Kobe in terms of style of play. But in terms of overall excellence, we have not. We have not. Style of play, yes. But in, in terms of excellence and what, we, what he accomplished, we haven't. We haven't. We, we, I mean, we simply have not. The guy was on a totally different level. And, and it's telling. It's telling because after all of this push and all of this twerking that people do on social media, it somehow is not translating. People are seeing straight through it. I look at it every day. It's so desperate. Something ridiculous will happen. It'll put up a post here. Look at this. I'm like, this is so, it's not working. And to me, um, it's telling because I think Jordan, I don't think we're going to see another Jordan. We certainly have not seen one in terms of impact. No one clearly, quite literally has come close. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.